I like my peacock like I like my condoms and cigarettes, only ultra premium. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Predetermined, a pro wrestling hangout. I'm your host, Garrett Callender, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it just felt like a right way to start this. Yeah, and this you know, is facts. We, we didn't get any time to, to chat and say, are you ready? What's the order of things? What are we talking about? We are just going. This is how the world works. This is how the podcast works now. Yeah, Garrett's Garrett's got some uh, some peacock running on the background behind him, like he's Sean Mooney in the event center. And uh, we were commenting on the ads, and uh, you know, Garrett Garrett's thinking about upgrading. So, g- listeners, if you have the ultra premium, super premium peacock without ads, and maybe with like the old music back on the WWE Network, let Garrett know whether it's worth it. If MJF saw those commercials playing behind me, I would never hear the end of how poor I was. <laughs> maybe maybe we need to start a Patreon so that I don't have to watch a goddamn Febreze commercial in between my Walter matches. Yeah, I, I so I grew up on Long Island, you know, not far from where MJF did, and I actually didn't know what commercials were until I met you guys. Oh. oh. Wow. But oh. but you know what? You know, enough about that with MJF. Hey, hey, hey guys, you remember how uh a couple of weeks ago, I'd been talking forever about seeing Beastman wrestle, and then I missed it. Yeah, yeah, I, then, I do. And then, and then you guys remember about how I was like, "Well, on the plus side, I've got Grand Slam coming to my hometown," and I was like super duper excited about seeing Grand Slam in person. Yeah, I remember that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to that either. I am. Uh, I am. I have a ticket. Chris, you know, I, I I have a ticket with you and I'm not going. And it may have happened by the time people listen to it or maybe it's happening. But uh, one thing is for sure. Facts will not be in attendance. It's decided. Yeah, I mean, uh, me and my medical professional, uh, I have uh, I, I basically I'm poxed. You know, you guys know this. We talked off 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 mic, but uh I don't have the monkey pox. I don't have the chicken pox, but I have a, I have a pox. You have a and, pox. Uh, I have a pox, you know, maybe a six pox, an, an X pox. <laughs> Would you say the pox you have is one of the better pox you could get? Is it, um, if it were think, a Pokemon card, would it be an ultra special rare holographic pox? I think so. From the doctor, he seemed to say of the poxes you're going to get, this is, is a, a more premium one for sure. Um, so, uh, was going to get a pox. It would be this one. I mean, he's not because he's so rich now, but yeah, if if it were, if he had to be chosen for one, it would be this. So, so for those keeping score, missed Beastman because of just rescheduling and organized play. Now I'm going to be missing. Rescheduling. Uh, I couldn't get enough of that episode, by the way. Just so the listeners know, I didn't know until I edited that episode <laughs> that Fax missed Beast Man because he was playing board games 40 yards from the building. And that that everyone was- had, sched- had screwed me. I was Austin. They were McMahon and, and everybody else. I, I got screwed. Brett does hang out with Stephanie a lot now. That's <laughs> true. So that was one. Now I'm missing Grand Slam because of a literal pox on my body. Um, uh, so again, next thing on the, the bucket list, right, is uh, in November, we've got the next AEW pay-per-view is literally like a mile and a half from my house. I 
we've seen dynamite there. I have walked home from dynamite at the Prudential Center. So there's we and Chris have already rescheduled a trip to Mexico to make sure we will be here for that AEW pay-per-view. So for those people at home, just start writing in your predictions of what's going to cause me to miss that show. See, I'm concerned about Mexico. I heard that a CMLML has been uh, booking Shane Helms and Fred Ottman um, using the gimmicks of Hurricane and Typhoon. So I think that's I think that's just begging for it personally. (laughs) See, as far as what I'm concerned about, it isn't what happens to either of you, Chris. You've already spread COVID to to half the 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 Northeast. Facts: He has gone by coastal with spreading the pox. I've gotten nothing yet. What the fuck? Like it goes from COVID to a rare pox. Are we even going to say which pox? Do you want to tell people? I mean. it, it, yeah, it, uh, I, you know what? Let's let them speculate. I think that'll be more fun for them. <laughs> it, okay. Um, it's not monkey or chicken. Everyone go to WebMD. Um, purchase a premium WebMD subscription if you want to avoid the ads. Ultra uh, premium. Ultra, ultra premium. premium. <laughs> uh, I, I will actually say my condition does not have the word pox in the name, actually. But mm. when I went to see the doctor... And like there was already like a, a whiteboard on the door, and it literally had patient with in big quotes pox like symptoms. That's what that's what like the intake nurse had written up about me. So that's why I love I, I love dropping a hard P now that I know that it's not monkey pox. And your anus is fine. My anus, you know, it's as fine as it ever is. You know, we did tacos last night. I'm not going <laughs> to say it's perfect, but, you know, it, it's not in particular jeopardy. And there are no pox uh, within it or, or or even near it. If you're trying to diagnose facts via WebMD, just, just keep that in mind. <laughs> just no, not on the butthole. Not on the, not on the BH, no. But, but Garrett, I think you're kind of tempting fate, right? Chris had COVID all over the place. I'm spreading pox like uh, it's going out of business. I, these seem escalating. So I feel like you and and uh, and Derek really got to be on the lookout. I've been sharing needles with strangers down on Broadway. Um, I, I don't uh, – I mean, most of them have been vaccine needles. Like, I'm not getting tattoos or doing drugs. Uh, sure. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Some of them – Looked shady. Some of them look like they could have had a pox themselves. Some of mm. these injections have been in the butthole. You've I don't been going know. to Kid Rock's bar, haven't you? Kid Rock's big ass honky tonk. Uh, the the place that all the wrestlers hung out after SummerSlam. Oh wow! <laughs> Did not know that. Right. That Wait, was after Flair's out. thing too. Oh well, that well that definitely. Made, I mean, he was Kid Rock was there, right? Um, here's my question about that bar. Um, how frequently is, are they going to stop playing all summer long in a couple days or do they go with all summer long, all winter, all fall? I well, today, not... right? Today, today, as we're recording is the last day of summer. So this is the okay. last day. I, I don't think that Kid Rock plays by anyone's rules no, that's based right. on, based on them staying open during the shutdown. Uh, also this was a fun thing that happened at Kid Rocks that, um, on the Nashville news, or like you mm. saw that uh, there was a thing from like a police radar. There was a guy who uh, unhooked his colostomy bag at Kid Rocks mm. and swung it around and covered mm. everyone in feces. 
as one uh, does. was not arrested, got away, came back and did it again the next night. <laughs> you know, Kid Rock did have that song with Monster Truck about how nobody was going to tell him how to live. And I think that guy really, Kid Rock was like, look, I had a song that said, ain't nobody going to tell me how to live. I can't tell this guy how to live, even if it means like? spreading shit on everyone else. During a pandemic. During a pandemic. What, just what am I supposed to do? Tell colostomy bag guy to take it down to Jason Aldean's? No, you keep that here at Kid Rocks. <laughs> yeah, but I can I can tell you that feces is not a, a vector for spreading COVID. So he that actually is reasonably <laughs> safe. It's probably that guy is probably one of the safer people to be around at Kid Rocks <laughs> when it comes to COVID risk. And honestly, the closer you are to him, the less likely you are to get the helicopter of poo on you. Because, you know, it's going around. If he's, like, it's not... I just have to say, just a, a recommendation, if, if you also hate Kid Rock. Um, the show What Makes This Song Stink on YouTube has episodes both on All Summer Long and uh, Nobody Gonna Tell Me How to Live. Highly, highly recommended. Um, just spend a a few hours on on that channel but really at least the, the time with kid rock because fuck jeez. the more time i can spend with kid rock the better i don't know i did i will say i do have a memory <laughs> of of getting for christmas one year in high school i got i got the kid rock cd the first one because everyone was very excited about you know baba to ba and uh cowboy and all that stuff rebel without a cause was was that the name of the i think that sounds right yeah yeah um and uh i also on that same day got uh, a vhs tape from rf video the best of raven and i definitely listened to kid rock while watching ecw fan cams which is a very 1998 sentence <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you don't even need to explain that your tips were frosted. We just all painted that in on our own. You're still wearing the puka shell necklace you had on at the time. Like <laughs> yeah, but honestly, though, like, I mean, Kid Rocks, I'm sure, is great. But if if I want to hang around with a bunch of hillbilly country folk, I think I'd prefer to watch Beastman War Games. <laughs> Call me crazy. And... uh the wait is finally over, by the way. I got double charged. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to give you. you not even worried about it. Because I, it was worth. You're Long Island my, rich. I'm Long Island rich. And it's, it's worth the double charge. It was worth it. The three of us got together over the weekend. We watched Beastman War Games. I mean, I don't know where to start. So, guys, what, what were your. What are some of your takeaways? I was. So. The match. First of all. I was really happy about something at the start, which was that we knew the Beast Man and his team was wrestling a group called the Deplorables. Yep. Mm -hmm. And this yeah. is a show in West Virginia. And uh, I this was, was really... normal. This was adjectiveless Virginia. Oh, right. This it was regular Virginia. Yeah. It, was regular... It, was the, it was the South. And I was really happy to find out that the Deplorables were heels. Yeah. Very happy about that. It very well could have gone either way. That could have been a thing where, you know, baby faces in West Virginia, heels in <laughs> everywhere else. Heels in San Francisco. Heels in San Francisco. But I'll be honest. I don't but think we were not... we were pretty sure Beastman was gonna be the face. And not only is he it was VCW, not only is he 
a face there. He is, he's like Hogan in 83. Oh yeah. W and the Appalachian crowds. And what about the, the reveal of the, the, uh, the mystery partner, right? We were speculating on this. The deplorables were all defined, but team beast man seemed like it had a, a, an open spot for a mystery man. I think our problem is that we have not followed this company ever. That sure. We had not seen a fucking moment of this company. Not, not till we started that. P- By the way, the PPV is is what I believe it was two ninety nine to rent, seventy two hour rental, and it is uh, almost exactly two hours. They don't make you sit through an intermission. They edit that out, so it is almost the entire card is about two hours. And I would say. War Games itself is maybe not quite the final third, maybe a little bit less than than a third of it. And honestly, the opening video surpassed any expectation I had. Well, very well produced. <laughs> you you see that video and you're like, oh, VCW, maybe they're a higher end thing. They're certainly not in a Buffalo Wild Wings uh, parking lot. And then you see the first guy enter, and it's still kind of like you have that high production value. And then eventually it just follows him down the aisle, and you see just that normal high school gym basketball scoreboard. And you notice there's only about 110 people there. And you're like, oh, yep, this is more what I was expecting. But the production value is still kind of better than New Japan US. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. It wasn't in... A Buffalo Wild Wings, but in the corner, I could see a pile of history books that were no longer allowed to be taught and a pile of books that are no longer allowed to be read in the library. In Virginia, to be clear, in Virginia. In Virginia, You could probably teach those things in like Massachusetts or like Oregon, but not Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, uh, yeah, this is, but you know, that's beside the point. We're here for the wrestling. We're not here for that. Um, No, but they love them some beast, man. They did love them some Beast Man. And it, just going back to the mystery opponent, which I felt like everybody that we saw in this show, we saw three or four times throughout the show. Sure. And we were speculating based on Appalachian wrestling, which we've now become more familiar with over the last you know month and a half or so. So we were all speculating Shane Douglas, maybe, uh, I don't know, like a Tommy Dreamer type. Sabu, we were kind of thinking something. I mean, Shane Douglas was the main person we were all thinking, let's be honest. Right. So it it was not Shane Douglas. It was not. It was not that level of star power. What was the guy's name? Like Petey Kilpiss? And I'm not making up that last name. Kilpiss is the only part that I know for sure is correct. Yeah, and he had already worked on the show. Uh, And I really very, it was very anticlimactic for us. The fans seemed to want him to be part of the match when he came out. People really liked Hillbilly Jim back in the day, too. So, I mean, let's not, you know. Yeah. Well, and also, he's let's look. Elmer, kind of. Maybe he's El Ejo del Uncle Elmer. Yeah. And, and and let's also just address this heads on, too. Beastman, because we want to brace the audience if they haven't seen this. Beastman comes out. He's not wearing the helmet. He's not wearing the loincloth. Seriously. He's not husking. This is like dusty wearing the 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 jack the leather jacket where he's like this is the real beast man mm. come in and being real with you he's wearing he's he comes out in his bruiser brody shirt yep yeah pretty good bruiser brody, brody shirt too. that's one i'd wear bruiser right now yeah yeah i mean between that and the ace ventura jersey we know he's got great test taste in shirts so we should we should by the way christmas 
not that close, not that far away. We should start thinking about what the podcast is going to be getting Beastman for Christmas this year. That's a good point. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, and I, I don't want to give again. I don't want to give the entire match away. But one of the things that's exciting is this is a real showcase for Beastman, right? Yeah. Beastman is first through a series of events. Obviously, the heels win the coin toss, but at one point, Beastman is fighting one on three. Through you know only legal means, the, yes. you know nothing, no tomfoolery. Yeah, and and I will say we we joked around when I originally saw on Instagram kind of the pictures of Beast Man in, in the back, and it only looked like a little blood. No, there's there's blood. This is I'm not going to say this is like on the all time bloodiest war games match, but they treat it like a war games. It's a single ring. There is a cage around it, a single ring, but but there's definitely some blood, and and a lot of it is Beast Man's blood. Yeah. He gets a good he's like a like a like a, just a couple of steps down from like like top level WCW blade like war games blade jobs. Like like he's not Dustin Rhodes or Arn or uh Steve Austin, but you know, it, he's, he's around Barry Windham, you know. He, I give him good points for duration. Right? Mm. While his, he might not have the full muda at any point. He had consistent blood flow for like 15 plus minutes, I want to say, during this match. He's a and, big guy. And He's got a lot of, of blood in him. That's true. He's, true. A, he's a large man. Um, but I will say this, like, you know, we some people might think we, we, we joke a little bit about Beastman or that, that there's some part of this that we exaggerate. So let's just give something like totally real and unequivocal. I'll say it. I think you guys are going to agree with me, but I'll say it out loud first. Beastman was in a completely other league than the other guys. Oh on yeah. Hard. Like it was pretty clear. Beast man does not belong with these guys in BCW. Beast man belongs on GCW or, or one of the big two. Beast man's a star. A lot of the other guys in the show were very indie, right? A lot of hard work, but very like you could see the seams and you could kind of see, okay, this guy needs to improve this. This guy needs to improve that. And Beast but thinking, and, and a lot of them, and I would say the majority, if I'm being fair, like truthful, would be, don't even work on it. It's not worth your time. It's never happening. Well, I mean, they're having fun in that high school yeah. gym, you know. Like, I'm not going to tell them to to quit, but I I do completely agree with you. There was because I mean, when we first saw Beast Man at the Malcolm X Community College in Chicago, mm-hmm. yeah, there was like in the moment a hint of irony to our, our enjoyment of beast man. I feel like just because the way the crowd got with it, but we continued to talk about him for weeks. And well, and and just to be clear, warrior wrestling is another one I'd put up there with like close to GCW that they, they have top tier talent, right? They have the top pretty much tippy top indie guys up and down the card and, and some big bigger time guys sprinkled in. So like Warrior, GCW, these are places where Beastman just plug and play, feels fine. But now kind of seeing him now, like seeing him go back to where he had been working before we we had seen him, it's it's even far more apparent he belongs on these bigger stages. And not just because of they have better weight support. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it really was like seeing him do the gcw show and then uh this like he's just yeah he was he was absolutely a tier above 
everybody else in that ring other than maybe the Fandango guy that surprised everybody at the end. He's the double swerve surprise. We won't get into it too much for those that want to watch, but like, and I would just say this too. He was better in like every way. He was better on the stick. He got better reactions. He was better at selling. Who knew beast man could be like the Ricky Morton in a war games. I don't even know what that would Chris, who would that make him? Uh, uh, it's kind of like a like a okay maybe like a Dustin or Dusty kind of he's a Rhodes yeah he's a Rhodes he right? is because Dusty's first in the first war games he takes a shit kicking yeah right he, right and and uh, like Dusty he makes sure to get his own shit in uh, too so so yeah he's Beastman puts on a Dusty Rhodes in the very first war games esque performance. Really you know, that makes me think we we need Beastman to get like like you know how Dusty had like the fur coat like mm. could could be like Beastman in a fur coat that is interesting. He joins like a rich guy stable. Ends up with uh, would it be like as good of a fur coat as everybody else, or would he have like what a caveman thinks a nice fur coat mm. would be? I like it. I like it. I like that detail. Uh, I, I actually would love, like, let's just say it's MJF, and he does, like, a full pretty woman thing with him. I want to see vignettes strung out, like, at the before every commercial break for a full week of Dynamite, where it's just, like, different, like, things where Beastman doesn't understand, but, and, like, maybe the previous weeks, MJF has already hired him to be the muscle. Like, that already happened. Now MJF's like, well... If you're gonna represent me, you you gotta you gotta operate with class and just the different like has his teeth done, takes him to a dentist, maybe a mani petty. What is he? What's inside the box that he snaps on Beastman's fingers and he giggles? Hmm. It's the dynamite diamond ring. Oh, and then Beastman wins that from MJF. Um, for real though, like where do you see Beastman going from where he's at? I, I think honestly, I think right now, I think he's gonna. I think we're gonna start seeing him be a GCW regular, and I think other things again like Warrior and uh, I is like I don't think Beastman Bola is crazy. I was thinking, I was actually thinking PWG Beastman would be. I, I kind of want to see that. I want to see him like grapple like Daniel Garcia. I want to see Daniel Garcia attempt to grapple Beastman. I mean. Yeah, like we really haven't seen him wrestle like a. T- I mean, we saw him wrestle Janela, but we haven't seen him wrestle like a top tier guy. Think about him with somebody like a Will Osprey, who can be flying all over the place around him, and you know, be working with his size to. Yeah, make but it I, as good of a- th- this is where I think there's a legitimate like I I think his time in like that GCW, you know, PWG Warrior like tier is going to be short because. He has such a physical presence and such charisma that I legitimately feel like I don't think Tony Khan is like, let me see him three years from now doing a main event against Will Ospreay. I think he's like, man, I think that him and Lance Archer would would be better than what I'm putting out on Rampage next week. Oh, I want to see that match now. That's that sounds so, good. I mean, because what did I see? Like, I was looking at his... I think Instagram. How many years has he been wrestling? He's been doing this like twelve years or something, right? Yeah, because he was More... super young when he started. I think I remember. Right? Wasn't he in high school? He was still in high school. 
Which and admittedly in, the, in like, West Virginia, you could be in your mid thirties and still be in high school, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, sorry. I, I hope we, I hope we get there with him. Cause I, I think really, by the end of really next like, year, I think he, if he's not in AEW or WWE, he's pretty far up the card in impact. I mean, uh, that's true. That's he <laughs> absolutely like impact could get him right now. And I think they have the thing I like about impact is they tend to have fun with like vignettes and stories and different like, like scenarios for guys. And I think they would have a lot of fun with beast man. I would, I would watch impact every week if beast man brought it. I watch impact occasionally, but when I can't sleep, but, um, (laughs) and I, I I don't mean that as a joke. Just sometimes I can't sleep. I throw an episode impact on. I don't know. I'm just so, I, so I will say. By the way, I have Beastman's cage match page up. So take that with a grain of salt. I don't. I wouldn't say that that's like canon. I've had him six foot. Too. What was that? I have it pulled up as well. So it says he, he he's six foot two, which seems short. I think like meeting him in person, I'm six foot. He felt definitely more than two inches taller than me. Um, so maybe he was still a growing boy. He's just three hundred ninety four pounds. That part probably sounds about right. Um, mm-hmm. Beastman, aka Beastman Husk, aka Super Beast, Bulldozer. Um, some of his nicknames are are the Force of the North, the Man Monster, and the One Man Wrecking Crew. He was trained by Jimmy Valiant, um, amongst others. And yeah, he started wrestling in 2006. He is a 16 year veteran. They have him currently at age 36. So he's actually not far from our age group, which actually kind of bears out with the shirts he wears that does make sense yeah he's a he's a brody guy he likes ace ventura he's that also though he's a little bit old it does make me wonder if he's more bound for impact than AEW or wwe although there's really i mean age ain't nothing but a number for beast man yeah true <laughs> he's hot he's new I'm, I'm just scanning who he's he's danced with obviously we know joey janela um charlie haas he was in the ring with uh mm. earlier this summer uh i do not know a lot of these guys he's wrestled i'm not gonna lie i see james ellsworth in here Ooh! oh he actually tagged with him oh, that, super, ooh. He, he defeated someone uh called super oprah not quite sure what that is. <laughs> Wait, he was on a team with Tim Storm, Josh Alexander against the Good Brothers. That sounds like Impact, right? Yeah. I, speaking of what kind Impact, of show was that on? Um, let's. Was it MLW? Who? Oh, he was in MLW. This was at Texoma Pro Two. Good. Good Two Brothers. Was this? A Good Brothers show? It sounds like it may have, or it was a Good Brothers theme show. Because they're, no, they're in northern Georgia, so that's not that far from West Virginia. Because it looks like Beastman wrestled twice on this show. He opened the show and closed the show. That's my kind of show. <laughs> the other day, uh, just bringing up... Bill Muertes, by the way. Mm. I... 
the other day I was driving uh, in Nashville and a billboard, like one of the uh, electronic billboards popped up and it basically said, Garrett, impact is here on Friday. Please come. And uh, I said, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, it, it just felt weird that that was an advertisement for the entire city of Nashville, that there was like, <laughs> impact wrestling is performing in a very small TV studio. Please somebody come. They do yeah. just seem, I mean, when I do check in with Impact, everything seems to be going fine. Uh, the show seems enjoyable, but uh, I can tell you how engaged I am that I'll, I'll like watch an episode and then I'll delete it from my DVR for several weeks. And then like a month later, I'll watch another one. What do you think a front row ticket costs currently to an Impact show? See, front row people go high. I think that front row ticket is... before fees. $250. Yeah. Sweet Lord. Because in New York, we we got front row tickets for a taping in 2018 or 19. And I'm pretty sure I paid $35 per. That's how I convinced everyone to go. I was like, guys, it's a Friday night. It's $35. We can be in the front row. And I think we waited a couple of days to get tickets. Like it was even like, oh no, the front row tickets will be here whenever you're ready. I, I've never had a bad time at an impact show. I've honestly had very good times at all the shows I've been oh, to. But. I've had a bad time at an impact show. <laughs> <laughs> Although I've had a worse time at an MLW show. So let's, we'll be, but that's just because of how long they are. Is this the, I see this is becoming a running theme facts. Is this the impact show that you missed the second half of? Uh, no, I was I wasn't thinking that I actually, in, in, well, I wouldn't say I enjoyed myself the first half, but, um, no, I, I was just thinking generally, uh, I just don't like impact is the, you missed the second half of the show because as you were walking to the bathroom, a door opened up and a man peeks out oh. and was like, come here, young boy, look what I've got. And you saw that he had a monopoly board and you hopped in the janitor's <laughs> closet and played a quick game with him. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> um, yeah, he missed he missed a, a an episode of the TV show that was all cage matches. Which truly, it's uh, it sounds exciting, but it's really not. It's really well, <laughs> once you do two hours of cage matches. Well, and to be fair, it was also like again, what year would that have been? Like seventeen, eighteen, something like that. Like watching uh, it was earlier, maybe sixteen. So we only bought tickets because that was it was heavily rumored that was going to be the last ever Impact shows. But by the time we got there, we kind of knew that that wasn't going to be the case. So um, I, watching like and that's the absolute nadir of Impact, like before, you know, Cyrus and, and uh, like comes and kind of resuscitates it somewhat like. It, that was the absolute worst. So watching two episodes of that with an intermission. So yeah, I watched the one episode was really mad at myself for even being there. And then um, me and my friend Adam intentionally got kicked out. We were basically like, let's just keep doing outrageous things until someone ejects us from the building. Uh, and we did. And they did. 
But okay, then I was back, by the way, like three days later for a concert at the same venue. No problem. They completely got what was happening. <laughs> they got that we were children acting out because we weren't being entertained at our wrestling show. <laughs> and you- uh, they were fine with it. No, they were just like, you know, we'll head our, our separate ways uh, right now. We'll see it Tenacious D on Thursday. You can't just gloss over. Uh, how did you describe it? Outrageous things. <laughs> Oh, we were throwing drinks. We were yelling at people. What eventually got us, and this will get you most places, was, um, so this is in uh, Hammerstein. Well, no, it wasn't Hammerstein, but it was somewhere in the Manhattan Center. It was, yeah, it was like the upper level at the Manhattan Center. I think where they did Raw. I think it might have been the same room. I think it's been the one that was smaller than that. Because I, I don't remember them having a balcony. And there they at least had the one balcony. So no, I think a, there was a little, the mini balcony. I think that was the room with the mini balcony. May, maybe it was. It was, it was, it was upstairs. The Manhattan it was Center. not Hammerstein, but it was somewhere. For those not that don't know, the, the, the Manhattan Center is a much larger center. The, the, the Hammerstein Ballroom is just the biggest and most famous uh, ballroom within the Manhattan Center. Um, and this was in a smaller place. But... It's an indoor venue in Manhattan, as the name would imply. Um, so something that doesn't go even back in, you know, 16, 17 is we we were really drunk. Nothing else would get us kicked out. So we just walked into the hallway. We did at least leave like the main room where everyone was and just lit up cigarettes and started chain smoking right then and there. Indoors, um, made no attempt to hide it whatsoever. And then the guy came up to us, like expecting us to like hide them, and then like, oh, I'm gonna have to give you a talking to and don't do it again. But we just were like, what are you saying? Oh, yep, bitch, enjoying a fine ultra premium cigarette. You got? Oh, you're not allowed to. The hell you say? Uh, he's and like, then he's listen, like, yeah. asshole, do you want to see Sammy Callahan or not? <laughs> you this is pre-Sammy Callahan. I think I think Fax would have been excited to see Cam- Sammy Callahan. He was going to have to watch Bobby Roode work like a second time. Yeah. And at some point, that was a privilege to somebody at NXT. At some point. At some point later on. At this point, even with it rumored being the last ever TNA show. And I think it actually, to be fair, it may have been the last tna shows because that was shortly before no they didn't rebrand impact i think for a little bit later but they they did have more shows but even then it was very sparsely attended there so this was like a three-hour show and i remember four maybe each episode was two hours and they they recorded both episodes with an intermission in between so it it was close to five hours i remember literally two things Jeff Hardy almost died taking a bump from the top of the cage onto the steps. Oh, that was that? Yeah, that was painful. And then our friend Dream got a picture with Gail Kim. Yeah. Who yeah. we were we were giving him a little bit of a thing where because he was he did not know Gail Kim would be there. And he kind of got a little flustered and we're like, hey Dream, there's like 60 people here. <laughs> there's a pretty good chance she'll autograph whatever you want and take a picture with her. And uh, she did. Class Very act. Nice. Yeah, yeah, very nice lady. Yeah. That's actually the only the, the we also almost got kicked out of uh, the Hammerstein at the ROH show because if you if you watch the 2019 summer ROH show, I don't remember what they called it. That was at the at the Hammerstein. 
Uh, we, at this point, no one really cared about ROH. It was basically dead. This is oh, post yeah. New Japan MSG show where everyone this was, was like, this was before after the Bucks, the Elite's last show there. After yeah. the Elite left. And like yeah. not that long before the pandemic, right? Where like, again, the pandemic did not kill ROH. ROH was well on the way to dying before the pandemic. Yeah, this was the last New York show that happened before the pandemic. And it was, it was very December. Was it December of 19? November? No, no, it was the summer. It was sometime in the oh. summer, July or right. August. The um uh it's the one it's made evented by the Briscoes against um the Gorillas. Gorillas, which was great. Which was um, good, very good match. We had made we figured, look, we've purchased tickets for this show. Oh yeah. And we we purchased them early and we realized afterwards we'd way overspent on these tickets. We did not need to get out in front and purchase tickets to the show. There were many tickets available. We, we were end. still buying tickets the way as though Cody and the Bucks were still there. Yeah. Mm, we yeah. we made a mistake. And so we decided to get our money's worth by getting like a flag printed with the the podcast logo and like displaying that because we had like a belt like a there's like a, a first level just above the floor kind of balcony at, at the Hammerstein. And we were right there and we we're like, oh, we'll just put this thing up and people will see the pot. That'd be great, right? And um, ROH was not happy that we were trying to get ourselves some free advertising. <laughs> were you sitting on like hard cam side? So it was like constantly on camera? No. Or was this just like it was getting flashed once in a you, while? Because the, the balconies are on either other side. So there is yeah. none on the hard cam side. Oh crap. I just spilled soda on me. That's that's okay viewers. Um but yeah, we like when the camera pans, you could definitely see the banner. Like if you go and watch that card, you'll definitely see our banner at some point. But even though we were paying customers promoting a podcast where we talked about how much we liked ROH, uh they would have none of that. Yeah, they almost very <laughs> nearly those those uh those ROH guys, they really knew how to cater to their audience. Well, it's up so it's interesting because it's up for one match, and then they're the, someone the security comes over and is like, Look, like they're telling me we gotta do that, we gotta tell you to take it down. I'm just saying that maybe if you do it towards the end, they won't have time. <laughs> the security was basically like <laughs> main just event. Wait this. for a little bit, wait, just wait for the main event. And so we did that, and um we got through the main event and then someone like came over and like angrily snatched it away from us. The banner, which I had paid like $8 for. I was like, big loss there guys. Thanks. Uh, thanks for that one. Um, but they literally, when, if you rewatch that match, you can, you can kind of tell they're like cutting and like directing the match to try to avoid the banner. That mm, weird. It's weird. It's weird. People can flash up signs on AEW that say whatever, but ROH didn't want someone putting up a, a podcast flag. Yeah, I guess that's true. I've never seen signs at an ROH show, but I guess I mean, they don't want you to promote it. I don't know. Yeah, fuck them. They're gone. I, well, they're, yeah, they're dead now. <laughs> <laughs> they, they got what they deserved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> one thing that I definitely want to talk about this week. So after Beastman War Games... We put on a match that Dave Meltzer had highly rated. Uh, we watched the June Kasai El Desperado match. Yeah. Dave Meltzer gave it four and three quarter stars and said, I hated this, but I can't deny how good the work was. I'm Which looking is on an interesting it, review. <laughs> yeah. 
and I, I get that. I do. I don't know. I think there are some death matches that people would be able to watch and acknowledge this was good. I see why people don't like it or why people like it. It's not for me. I, right. I feel like this was Meltzer very specifically directing this comment at us. He's like, I, I bet those guys from Predetermined, they'll probably watch Beastman War Games and be like, oh, that was short. We need something else to watch together. Why don't I say something like this just to give them something to watch, a reason for them to have some fun together? It's just, so I'm looking, I did not realize how long that match was. It went 28 and a half minutes. It flies about. by. It really does. And this is, like, this isn't just a, like a standard like quick death match couple death match spots this is kind of one after another like pretty gnarly shit i mean we hit skewers we hit knives we go through a uh, barbed wire um honestly like the first half of it it seemed like despy kind of was practicing in nashville for what he was going to do with june kasai a couple months later yeah, I mean, and, and Despy's the one taking almost all of it, right? Like, you say kind of who's who's Nick Gage and who's the one taking Nick Gage. Like, Jun Kazai was Nick Gage for the overwhelming majority of this match. And Despy honestly looked like a absolute seasoned pro in Deathmatch. He looked phenomenal, and he took things that, like, if you had told me like if you went back to that that best of the super junior finals where he lost the match which was like kind of peak new japan despy and you had said the day after that that this was going to happen i wouldn't have believed it and i would have been like oh well i guess he spent an entire year and a half just doing death matches but like nope it's like his second one ever as far as we know i think he may have done a couple of things with some of these guys before in Japan, but I mean, he's not a regular deathmatch worker. He's a new Japan junior who does like the occasional deathmatch. And it's pretty incredible. I, at the end of it, I was like, can we get a desperado GCW run? Like, yeah. Like we, we had joked, like, I hope he shows up at the Nick Gage invitational. And I, I don't think this is going to be something he does all the time now, but you know, as a, as a special occasion, it's really fun to see a guy who's a really good worker be in one of these matches. Like, especially like, I mean, this was kind of like watching Zack Ryder do the, the Nick Gage match. Well, or, or like an extreme that it wasn't, it isn't actually a death match by our standards, but I think that's part of why everyone loved that Jericho Omega match at the Tokyo Dome a few years ago, where it was more ECW in the nineties than current death match, but it was just a, like, Oh my God, two actually good wrestlers, really good. Kenny at that point is probably like amongst the greatest years any wrestler has ever had, right? Like peak of his powers. And it's like just doing a, uh, you know, 97 heat wave 97 match. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting, and, and it's an interesting, I guess it goes really hard. Um, and I come out of it at the end just being like, like is like is New Japan like underusing Desperado? Because like kind of at the end of it, I'm like, this guy's a a big star. Like he's not just a standard sort of run of the mill guy. Like it feels like he could be kind of a a fairly big player for them. 
Well, I think the problem is that, like, so again, going back to that match with Hiromu with the mask, where, and he loses that match, right? But he becomes a star, and he does then get a run with the junior title, and he has this. I think the problem with New Japan is they view the junior division as just as big or just below the heavyweight division. And in a lot of ways, like the way they book kind of backs that up. But the reality is it's just not a very good division. It hasn't been. So I right. feel like that's where it's like they would say, no, Despy got everything. And I mean, being junior champions just as good as being heavyweight champion. And I think they mean it legitimately. But it's like, but the reality is New Japan, there just hasn't been compelling matches. And unfortunately, keeping to this weight division structure exacerbates the issue because it's like you got fresh matchups for a guy like Despy right here, right there, but they don't do it. And they're like, nope, he's going to go against show again. It's going to be Despy and show again. Honestly, you might, I think you are describing why he's never caught my eye. He's not typically wrestling guys that I'm super interested in seeing. And I mean, this, this completely, I mean, I guess it started in Nashville, but between Nashville and this, like my view of him has completely changed. And I definitely see myself going out of my way to watch more of his matches. And I mean, like you said, a GCW run, him coming to the United States and having a run of some of the indies and getting to see different matchups. I would I, absolutely watch that. And I'm excited. I do think you guys might be thinking a little too small though. Right. Cause you're just there. You're just talking about Nashville. And I feel like it's right there. Yeah, he can do a bunch of death matches in, in GCW, and that would be phenomenal. But if we're going to really make him a star, why not have him kill Ric Flair? <laughs> <laughs> have him work that match against Kasai, but only it's Ric Flair that he's dropping on, you know, cutting board with knives in it uh, and, and shit like that. I promise you, like, Despy's got that young that young skin, it's still tight on his body. You throw Ric Flair on a pile of knives. I don't want to see the pile of goo that lays in its wake right there. It's just like, it becomes just, just fucking mush. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. Man, either way, that was, that was a fun match. I, any of our listeners, I, if you're listening to this, I promise you, you will enjoy that match. And it's not easy to find. Um, I don't know if you like we didn't talk about how we acquired it, but like I don't New know Japan it, gave it to us for free because we are reporters. Yeah, we got the screener. By the way, Aaron Judge just hit his 60th home run of the year uh, live as we're recording. Um, it's on a show called Takataichi Despi Mania. Takataichi Despi Mania. If you don't get New Japan sending you the completely legitimate leaps like we do. I don't know how else you'd find it. I'm sure somebody will post it somewhere that you can find it. It is absolutely worth checking out. Uh, and Aaron Judge is really good at hitting baseballs. I think eventually, because I think the last one they did put up a few months later. So I think eventually it'll be free on, on New Japan World. Is, not free, but part of the New Japan World subscription as well at some point. Uh, maybe that's we got it. Maybe we have to just go back and just watch all of the various, like, Taka Tai Chi shows. Maybe that's what we really need in our lives. Well, and by the way, and just to be clear, because I, I remember I knew this was a Taka Tai Chi show. Like I knew about the match. I knew about the Meltzer rating going in, but I, I didn't really look it up. This is like a pretty big venue. Like there's a good amount of people here. It is a yeah. big professional venue. This is not like this is not like uh Boonton, New Jersey Elks Lodge type thing. They like, sold it out too. 
Yeah, it looked and, like they were and, in like a big sumo hall. Yeah, and it was I think it was about three thousand people, I believe. We I know we looked it up at the time. I think it was three thousand. Something like that. Yeah. I think it was it was like two thousand nine hundred and fifty four is the number that's in my head. Um so yeah, yeah, and they loved it and uh it was it is the main event and it it delivers for sure. I thought it was for me, it was a little bit too much at times, I'll be honest. Um, but that's what death matches do sometimes, you know? I'm not a fan of the knives, I will say. That is one of my lines with death matches where I'm just like, mm, not really loving those moments. There's just it's there's too much that can go wrong. And even if you get the results you're looking for, it's still like a little a little too much. I mean, I'm sure there has to be some sort of trick there because it's typically knives sit in what appear to be blade up. Like, you know, not pointy side going straight up, but you're landing landed on the blade as it's in like styrofoam. I don't know. There, there's just I saw one that went really wrong in GCW. It was Oren Vite versus fuck, it was one of the guys in Japan. And the knife just went like right into his back to the point that he reached back, pulled a knife out of like his kidney area, and they called the match off. And I I stopped death matches for a few months, but you just can't keep me away for too long. <laughs> Did uh, either of you guys watch anything else this week that that caught your eye? Or well, I know you you said you saw the Clash at the Castle, right? I, I still did. I caught that. Yeah, I um, I was really only interested in seeing the Walter Sheamus match. I had I think I read that it was one of like four matches that Meltzer had given five stars to in WWE this year. And it did not surprise me that Walter could get a five-star match. Right. But I feel like Sheamus isn't a name that you associate with five-star matches. Yeah. I mean, but that that's, I, when I think Sheamus as like a worker, I think of that series he did with Cesaro where it kind of completely yeah. changed how he thought about it. And I remember when, um, I I was at a show at the the Rosemont Horizon. I think it was the show where it was was Orton Brock two after SummerSlam. It could have been a different show in the, like a year earlier, a year later. But they they did that match again too. They did uh, Sheamus and uh, and Cesaro one on one dark match Rosemont Horizon, and it was like brilliant. It was phenomenal. What was was that like a best of seven series or something they, like that? So they did a best of seven series, but and those two guys kept working each other's singles on the road, leading into it during the series and for a couple months afterwards, and then that led directly into their tag run where they won a bunch of tag titles. Um, but but the the series was first, but they probably wrestled each other, you know, seven times on TV and pay per view, but. I mean, they must have wrestled each other like in 20 plus minute matches every night for, you know, yeah, like three weeks, three times a weekend for months for like half a year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess now that you mentioned that, yeah, I do remember there was a very good Seamus stretch there. Um, but yeah, he this was really good. This is really good. And seeing them do that in such a packed venue for the IC title. I love seeing a good IC title match. That is one of my favorite WWE titles for sure. And those two, like Sheamus being so pale works so well in Walter's favor. It just makes Mm -hmm. the match 
feel that much more realistic when you're seeing this very pale guy just starting to welt up and then seeing like his chest getting bloody. And I mean, they beat the shit out of each other. This was one of the stiffest WWE matches I've seen in a while. I don't know since it, what the last one would be. It almost seems like cheating. Like what, what color is Seamus's chest at the end? <laughs> it still wasn't as bad as PCO's. Oh, spring break too. And, and, and I do yes. have to say, you know, you talk about the IC title because you're like, there's really kind of two different IC titles, right? There's the IC title has been the workers title for like, it was the Brett title. It was the Mr. Perfect title. Then it's also been the warrior title, right? The title of the guy that's on his way. And maybe this is going to be optimistic about Tony Khan with having too many titles is like, I had always hoped. And at times it looked like he was trying to make, the TNT title, the workers title, but it really hasn't been. And it really is kind of like, especially with Wardlow right now, it seems like it's the not quite main event, but he's on his way and we need to give a title. I'm hoping this all Atlantic title, which makes absolutely no sense. Otherwise, maybe with Pac and like the way they've been, they've been using it. I think maybe that could be the, the AEW equivalent of the workers title. Obviously the pure championship had kind of been that to some degree, a little bit different in ROH. ROH TV title at times had been that. Uh, obviously the IC title, the US title on during SmackDown Six era. Like the, so, I, I I love that maybe we're finally getting that workers title in uh, in AEW. I think it's it's long overdue. I think you're missing it the facts. There's a third version of the IC title, and that's the Road Dog version. Just big pop. We've just get we've given up, and this is a mid Carter's belt. Uh, we just we got to give him something. Um, I think that's really that Does transition belong to that as well. I was going to say that transitions into the Dolph Ziggler era. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait! But but you're also then totally ignoring eras of the Road Dog because <laughs> Intercontinental Champion era Road Dog that is him with his worker pants on. They were very big pants. They How were long huge did pants. Have this title, I don't even remember this IC title run. It, but that's it was rude. It was like 1999 Russo. So I think he only held the title for like two weeks. Well, then I'm going to watch those two matches. <laughs> I, I think that was when they were pushing the one Billy Gunn as bigger than I see. Like, right when he's like challenging like The Rock and stuff. And then they're like, well, I guess the road dog is IC champion while Billy Gunn becomes a main eventer. And then, of course, they were back as the new age was pretty soon after. <laughs> yeah, Garrett, just just turn turn not turn the Walter off on the peacock and as many commercials as you need to watch. Just watch all of the road dog matches. Just 1999 Raw. Just figure out when he won the title. And just start there. Well, he probably was the Russo era. So while Chris and I are referring to the 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 uh, Road Dogs IC title run, he was probably a four time champion over six <laughs> episodes of Raw. Let's see what comes up on Peacock when I uh, Road Dog. We tell your remote you need to add a second G. <laughs> Yeah, otherwise it's just trying to get me to watch a Road to El Dorado. Well, not a bad flick. Fucking Peacock. It's got a best of Walter matches, but now it won't send me to, to Road Dog. No, um, yeah, sorry. What were we, we were talking about Road Dog? Worker belts. Oh, just we were we were talking about what else we watched. So you watched that match. Sounds like you had a good time. You'd recommend it. I know I, I am uh, looking forward to catching that entire card. Uh, at, at some point um, I didn't watch anything 
I did listen to, I, you know, I, I've been way behind on podcasts going all the way back to when I was in Asia for a month and didn't listen to any. So I listened to a bunch of like podcasts from, from the last like three months, including I finally listened to the talk is Jericho with Goldberg. That was just kind of, did either of you guys listen to that one? No. Well, we know Derek had to have, right? Oh, yeah. Um, it was, uh, it was weird because Goldberg is kind of still a total dick about everything he was a dick about, but it keeps being like, but you and me, Jericho, we're old timers. We're good buddies. And it's really confusing because he keeps talking about what a, what a asshole he was and how he didn't know that much. Yet he also in the same breath seems to back up that that like that he would do it exactly the same way. Do they address the fact that, that they hated each other at times? They did, and they both kind of played it up as though that that was a little played up, and um, it did seem like legitimately, and Jericho's kind of been candid about this, that like Goldberg barely knew who he was. Jericho had a ton of heat with Goldberg, and then Goldberg got pissed off one time at Jericho, and that was kind of about it. Um, and he had a good point that like they did, even in their WWE runs, they kind of mended some fences. Um, it, it's a good, it's, it's, if you're going to listen to Bill Goldberg on a podcast, this is the one to listen to, I, I would say. Um, but but let me let me throw a question to you guys. Jericho asks many of his guests. He did ask this of Goldberg, and Goldberg did answer. And I'll preface it by saying, you you've definitely seen the match. You know he he's referencing when he says there were two matches. He, he said were kind of like the um, the peak of his run, though. Can you name either? Actually, let's go. There's three matches, two matches that were his two favorite matches. And then one match that he said was like the peak of his run, not his favorite match, but he thought was really well booked and a great part of the storyline. And I'll one of them has to be Hogan, right? Like, so one of them's Hogan in the Georgia Dome. That's the easy one. Right. Is that that the one that was really well booked or is that one of his favorite matches? That was, that was his first, that was his first favorite match. The next one is the one he considers his greatest match. And then the last one is the one that he thought was really well booked uh, and definitely did not in any way contribute to the demise of WCW. Oh, so is one of them, uh, well, I think, well, you've given away the other one, which is it's the Nash match. It's the Nash match with the prod. He thought he would, no notes, wouldn't change a thing. Right match, right time, right booking decision. He's very firm about that. <laughs> and then the other one, by the way, isn't like ridiculous. It, it, it but is just I'm curious what you think. Yeah. The other one is the movie Snapchat. Santa's Slay that he thought was part of wrestling as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna guess the DDP match at Halloween Havoc. It was the DDP match, yeah. Where he said that and he said it he thought it was good because he followed DDP's instructions very explicitly, but he kept forgetting things, with the exception that and I quote, he told Paige that he would not spear him 14 times. That was the actual direction. At that point, no one had survived a single spear. Every single person that had been speared had been pinned clean. But Paige, Paige's original pitch was for him to get speared 14 times in that match. I will say it's great for an old timer uh, and great for those of us that, that watched Goldberg matches after 1998 to know that he completely peaked there. Nothing good has happened afterwards. And uh, <laughs> he's just been wasting our time for decades. Um, 
The only thing I will say is well, I've we, always said I actually will kind of defend Nash beating Goldberg. I won't defend how they did it, and nor will I defend the NWO reuniting thing, which I think was a disaster. But I people kind of forget how over Nash was and how the streak kind of needed to end to move the Goldberg character forward. And I actually think picking Nash was not the worst idea. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I agree. Nash, I think when you go back to that, Nash was the only guy. Like, I'm not saying he was those, he was literally the only choice, right? The problem was how they did it with the cattle prod, and then you immediately go into the finger poke of doom, right? Which you literally go from you finally get this new star over in Goldberg, and yeah, they had the candy thing, but Goldberg was really fucking over by the time he got the title off off Hogan. He was still really over when they got the title off Munda Nash. And the fact that you go from organically over babyface Goldberg to the finger poke of doom in two weeks, like that's pretty indefensible that like, oh yeah, that had nothing to do with the creative crapping out of WCW. What happened? It's weird. I don't remember anything that Goldberg did after losing with the taser. Was it shortly after that, that he punched the glass out and that I car think it and- is. I think yeah. it's not long after that that the glass punch thing happens, and that totally fucks everything up. And we yeah, just well, didn't and, see him for months. And that did lead to a, I think it was at an uncensored, he, it was a headlined him against Scott Hall with like a taser on a pole match that was fine. Mm. Um, but yeah. Poor Goldberg. Well, no, Goldberg. Goldberg. <laughs> oh, that Rich wasn't Goldberg. the point of this? That wasn't the... <laughs> and he was a prick, right? I, I think... But but it is what kind of an interesting what if where like he obviously did obviously get a run in WWE like shortly after his 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 heyday but like he did miss some of that time he dealt with a lot of a lot of shit you know like where I think he deserved it because he's a prick but he definitely dealt with some shit for sure for sure WCW was not a fun place to work. At that point. I mean, you know, nobody ate a bunch of muffins and punched people, but you know. Right. It was difficult. I will say, speaking of that, um, I posted it on our Instagram, but a uh, friend of the show, Jesse uh, Krakow, um, who we go way back with when we used to do a, a live wrestling show in New York, who yep. when he did it, an entire, he did, he did an entire uh, reimagining of the Hulk Hogan uh, album from the 90s that is one of the most insane and wonderful things i've ever heard and, he to, be, actually, and to be clear for anyone there's a jesse is an actual legitimate professional musician he's yes. not like a wrestling fan that messes around on his computer like he is a full-time working musician um so it's good too that's the other thing yeah and so he did a, he he did a song uh that he just released um called the cult of mindy's bakery which is a parody of cult of personality about CM Punk eating muffins and uh, and drinking spinnies, which I'm I'm doing right now because um, you know me, I'm uh, I'm the best in the world, and um, it's uh, it's delightful. You can go find it on his Bandcamp. It's only fifty cents, but um, it's hilarious, and you should you should listen to it. Um, it made me laugh. It is definitely worth your time. That was very um, good. Um, so last week. We ended on a voicemail from Derek. Hmm. Yeah. And he wasn't happy that I didn't show up last week. 
And I believe he said if I show up this week, he sends me nude photographs. Mm-hmm. That's accurate. Have you received those photographs yet? Well, I mean, he hasn't heard the episode yet to know that I showed up, but um, I, he has to send those, right? Like, I mean, I texted because him. he's at the game tonight. I, I actually texted him while we were recording to let him know to make with the goods. Okay, I better get those. And I have a feeling he isn't going to come through on those. I've known Derek a long time and he doesn't just uh, willy nilly send dick pics around. So I'm... I feel like I'm going to have to go to court with him over this. This isn't willy nilly. This was a promise to our listeners. And now I don't know if he has to go fully nude. I think he could do the Shawn Michaels. I think as long as we can tell what kind of pox he has, if he has any, that's the (laughs) level of nudity we would require. Yeah, I don't need full frontal. I just I do need full rectal, though. (laughs) (laughs) I think the other question is, we know that Derek shaved his face recently. Did he shave anywhere else? That's true. Or is he overcompensating? Right? Right. No hair on the face, so he's really letting it out everywhere else. He's George the Animal Steel everywhere else. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually a ponytail down there. (laughs) He's a Captain Lou. He has to rubber band it. Uh, I did watch a George the Animal Steel match today. That's why he was in my mind. He was. uh... And I dreamed about him like usual. Um, (laughs) I know we're getting short on time. Chris, I hope you enjoy yourself with Tom at Grand Slam. I will. But on the plus side, lemons out of lemonade. Maybe Aaron Judge hits his 61st and 62nd home run during Grand Slam. And I can multi-screen it, which I undoubtedly would not be able to do. With the bandwidth in Flushing Meadows with 20-something thousand AEW fans all posting to the Instagrams. So you will be seeing every single title defended? All the time. Well, I guess I don't know if the trio's title is getting defended. Okay, everything but that. Is there, what match are you most looking forward to? Like, you're seeing a lot, like, this is stacked for a Wednesday night. Although, can we can we just before we you get into that? I'd also love to, or get into that, and then I'd love to. Talk, is it more stacked than last time, though? I I don't know that it is. I think that there's an argument to be made either way. I don't think it's definitely better than last year's Grand Slam. Although I would say last year's Grand Slam is easily was the best wrestling card of the year. Um, I, I have a boring answer for this one, um, which is it's Moxley and Danielson. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited for that. I, I love both guys. They're going to get to wrestle each other. It does feel like, and your listeners, you'll know more. You'll be you'll be like future me um, when you listen to this. But it does seem feel like they may be doing something with MJF here, um, and and that could be really interesting as well. So I'm just very interested to see where they go with that. Feels like it could be a classic. Feels like it could be a classic moment as well. So I I want to see what they do there. But yeah, the, the whole show from top to bottom looks really good. Um, last year was kind of, I think people have maybe have already forgotten how amazing Danielson and Omega was and how excited we all were for that moment. And the Bucks and Adam Cole, right? Like that was on Rampage. That was the Bucks and Adam Cole were on Rampage. They main evented the show with, um, Mox and Kingston against Suzuki and Archer and 20,000 people were chanting Eddie Kingston's name. Like, 20 minutes from where he grew up. Um, it was pretty amazing. Last year was a pretty, 
I thought, amazing uh, experience in terms of a, a wrestling show. So they, they, they have a lot to talk, but I'm, I, I'm curious to see if they can. So I saw that they've already passed a million dollar house on this one. Yep. Tony Khan is promising some surprises we don't know about. Which... Well, there's a big battle royal, right? So they didn't have that mm. last year. There's a battle royal. It's unclear. I, it sounds like because they specifically that there's a specific date and time that we're not sharing in advance. So it sounds like to me the battle royal winner, I think, will get the shot before MJF, unless there's some MJF tomfoolery where he gets involved at Grand Slam itself. Um, so that'll be interesting because that that feels like a spot where. You know, you could you could introduce somebody and make for a really interesting match against either Mox or Danielson. Or, I mean, is Adam Cole back? Including right. Adam Cole. It doesn't have to be a new guy, right? It could be somebody returning. Either way, I'm won't be Bobby very Finch. excited for this week. It, it's so nice to have like a midweek pay-per-view, essentially. Uh, and then I guess I'll probably tune into Rampage as well. Oh, for if sure. you tell me I should. I, I will let you know, Garrett. Thank you. Appreciate it. And I'm excited. I, again, I I grew up like spending a lot of time there because I actually worked at the U.S. Open when I was in high school. So it, it's really kind of surreal for me to like walk into that place to watch professional wrestling. It's really strange and kind of odd and delightful. And it's also actually uh, a pretty good venue for wrestling. The, the, really, the only downside is that there is a kind of a big suite level after the sort of the court side. So there's a lot of seats that are a bit elevated, but they're really good seats in the sense that you're right over the ring. You have a good view. Um, so I'm excited that they're doing this again, that they're making this a tradition. I'm excited to do it. Uh, maybe next year, Fax will be back if he has not contracted another pox. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, maybe. But it's, it's fun. I'm, ex- I'm super excited. I'm excited. We're going to get to probably go to a pay-per-view in, uh, in two months. One thing, yeah. I mean, with, and by the way, that's this is just a big Aaron Judge hit the 60th home run. Uh, all, all every New York sports team all won on Sunday for the first time since uh 2009. Uh, the Yankees and Mets both look like they're making the playoffs. The, the Jets and Giants both won. Giants are two and oh. Uh, we've got Grand Slam coming up this week. Everyone takes tickets go on sale for the pay per view in Newark this week. Uh, it's just a, there's a lot, there's a lot to love in the tri state region, uh, right now. It did just hit me. The predetermined, so at least someone from predetermined, is going to end up attending four out of five AEW pay per view shows this year. If you count Grand Slam, it seems like maybe five out of six. Assuming I make it there, um, let's not let's not <laughs> count me down here. Um, we just we just missed double or nothing. No one got to Vegas, but other than that, um, well, yeah, good year, speaking. good year, good, good year of wrestling. We could start next year with, uh, I read, so I don't know if this is 100% confirmed, but I saw that it is rumored that Revolution was going to be in the Cow Palace in February or March. Mm. I'm always I, up for a trip to, to San Francisco. I'm out there not infrequently. I could certainly negotiate my work schedule to conveniently be there around then. I don't know. I went to the New Japan, what was it, like G1 Supercard or super show there. And uh, that was, that was a fun place to be. That was just, there's some wrestling venues that it just feels like it needs to be checked off the bucket list. 
And I remember when you and I separately went, but we met up at the the G1, first ever night of the actual G1 Climax tournament in Dallas. And that's always fun when we meet up for shows that it's a, it's a home show for nobody, right? We're all <laughs> on the same. We're all going back to the hotel. It just kind of adds a little spice to it because it feels a little bit more like a trip. Whereas we all go to Chicago all the time. That Chicago, we love it. It feels like a second home, but but it doesn't. It doesn't feel like, you know, a real trip anymore. They know me at the IHOP now. It's in Hoffman (laughs) Estates. It's yeah, it's not really much of a vacation. Uh, Uh, And we can. It's because you swing around that colostomy bag every time (laughs) you go inside. That's that's it's not chocolate syrup. Nobody going to tell me how to live. Okay. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I'm singing Bawa to Ba and I'm watching Sandman matches. Like a rock star. (laughs) And on that note, thanks everybody for tuning in this week. Uh, Leave those five stars. Rate, review, subscribe. Write a nice review, please. It's been a, looking at the thing, it looks like it's been a little bit since we've had a review. I have the fucking pox and I'm doing this with you guys. Chris is is in death's door. You know, Garrett's had three or four children uh, since the podcast restarted. I mean, we really need it, guys. And again, we again, we're telling you if you if it weren't for us, you wouldn't know to go watch Beastman War Games. And so, think about the value that we're contributing to your life by telling you. Look, Meltzer gave you know Kasai and Desperado four and three quarter stars. Beastman War Games, of course, five stars. Just like you should rate us. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Uh, what do we predetermine podcast on Instagram? I am at Gartet. Do you guys want to plug anything? I'm at Jimmy Fax. I go in and out of the Twitter. At Chris Miggs on the uh, on the Instagram, I'm, I'm something on Twitter, but I'm mostly just following to make sure that Sean Ross Sapp isn't uh, breaking any news about who's suspended. All right. You want to uh, do anything about the music or anything? Hit the goddamn. Yeah. What yeah. Is, hit the goddamn, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> 